You guys, uh, you guys remember food pyramids? Remember those? When's the first time you saw a food pyramid? Like first grade, right? First, second grade? But yeah, it looks a little bit like this. Remember you had health class and there was like all these pictures and you were taught like, all right, I got to eat my grains and then, you know, I got to make sure I eat my fruits and vegetables and all the rest. You guys remember this? Remember this. How many of you eat this way still? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody eats this way. Uh, I know they've come up with different ones, but there's like a balance. Like there's a balance to the way we eat, right? There's a balance to what we do. Um, how many of you would say your lives are out of balance when it comes to food? All right, thank you. There you go. Um, so our staff, you know when my life is out of balance? It's out of balance with our staff. When our staff goes away, our staff goes on like these teaching team retreats and these other retreats. And when we go away, like... Um, like any kind of like balance when it comes to food goes out the window. Uh, so we just had this planning retreat that happened last week, and like I'm, I'm going to show you pictures. We it was like sausages, <laughs> and then like our executive pastor Ryan Phipps at a retreat was executive pastoring right there. It was pretty disgusting. It was really bad. Uh, you guys don't know our Manhattan community director. His name is Ryan Eaton, and this is Ryan. Um, and no joke, he looks like that because that's his third dessert. <laughs> He just, we just, our, we, like, we're disgusting. Like, we, we, we don't eat well, and we stay up too late, and it's awful. Like, we're out of balance. It's, it's completely bad. And then we wake up in the morning, and we try to get work done, and we look and feel like this. So that's, that's how it all works for us. How many people have felt this way before from being out of balance? You guys have felt that way, right? You could probably take that picture down. <laughs> you guys have felt that way before, right? Um, yeah, I mean, there's this balance issue that we have. We have this issue with balance in our lives and in the way that we eat, especially. How, how many people, one last question, how many people feel like, you know what, I'm really good with the way I eat, I'm really disciplined? Last time. No? Okay. Well, some of us are like, this isn't a problem in my life. It's not a problem in the way I, I handle life. Um, and, and so I have balance in the way I eat. None of us here, evidently, but some people say that. But then there's other of us, others of us that are like, well, but I just spent 24 hours watching an entire Walking Dead marathon, right? And, uh, and I watched the whole thing, and um, I tried to go outside to get food, and when I got outside, the light was blinding me, so I walked back inside and just seamlessed it said, You guys have done that, right? And some of you are like, well, I don't watch TV that way. My life's not out of balance that way. But your schedule is so incredibly filled up that you have hung out with people every single night this week and every single night the week before. And this week, you're going to take off. This week, you're going to sit there and do nothing for five days, the five weekdays. But as you do that for five weekdays, you're going to make little plans and you're going to make yourself so busy in the next month that those five weekdays aren't even going to matter. You're going to be absolutely and utterly exhausted. Does anybody do that? I do that. <laughs> living your life out of balance. What else? How else do we live our life out of balance? You know that New Yorkers, we're New Yorkers, right? We work ridiculously hard. We play ridiculously hard. We do. Uh, there was a study done by this big church in New York. They said the most committed New Yorkers, the most committed of us, most committed churchgoers in New York were go to church 2.4 times a month, the most committed of us. You know why that is? It's because we play really hard all week. And then on the weekend, if there's a way that we can play, we're going to go do it. doesn't matter if church is there. doesn't matter if church is not there. That's what's going to happen. We work hard. We play hard. Our lives are a little bit out of balance. And then um, how about anybody here? Does anybody ever go to Amazon? And then you get on and you go down like the Amazon rabbit hole. Does anybody do that? And next thing you know, you got like a bunch of boxes in the foyer of your building. And you're like, I'll bring them in eventually. But you don't do it. But you had to buy the stuff then, right? You had to buy it then because, man, there was that little line through the original price and you were getting a really good deal. 
right? Out of balance, out of balance. Uh, we do this, though. We, we, we don't live uh, very much in balance. We binge, we purge, we go back, we go forth. We need a lot of help, right? We don't have the whole um, um, pyramid thing that, that works in our lives right now. We don't have it working very well, and that is absolutely, definitely, positively true when it comes to our finances. Our finances are out of balance. My guess is in this room today, we have issues keeping our finances in balance, or we know somebody, have a family member, somebody who is like, whose finances are so out of balance that it affects us too. That is my guess. My guess is that is absolutely true in so many ways and for us. And so we're in this matter series, right? And we've been talking about, well, how do we get our lives, uh, if we're Christ followers, how do we get our lives in a place where we spend our money, we give our money, we save our money in a way uh, that lives out God's call for us in God's kingdom? How do we do that? Right? And so the first week, Jen Will spoke, and she said, we have to actually want to do it. Sometimes we don't even want to invest in the kingdom because God is mysterious, and we don't always see God, and it's much easier to worship the quote-unquote golden calf for the thing that's right over here and give our money to that instead. You know, I said that uh, sometimes we don't believe that everything we have comes from the loving hand of God. We think that, um, we think that uh, what we have is okay, but we want more. We want to be rich. I called it the captive mentality. I said we have a captive mentality. We make 37 grand, we want to make 74 grand. We make 74 grand, we want to make 150 grand, and so on and so forth. I said we have this captive mentality. If you were here last week, I said, you know, where our hearts uh, or where our treasures are is where our heart will be also. And I said, I want us to, to create a treasure of generosity within ourselves and see where our hearts follow. I talked about how scary that was, how scary it is to actually be generous and how scary it is to actually give and want to do those things. But I said... You know, remember the World Happiness Report? Like, God has made us this way, right? We have neurons in our brain that say when we give, it releases chemicals, and the chemicals make us content, right? If you were here, you remember all that. So, you know, I said, hey, I want to challenge you to be generous. But, you know, the problem is, is we're not going to be generous until our finances, until our lives are in balance. And right now, it's a bit of a struggle. It's a bit of an issue. How do we solve this struggle? How do we create balance when it comes to finances? I'm going back to Matthew 6. And we talked about it last week. I want to read the whole passage for you. And this is what it says. It says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, Jesus is saying these words, okay? Jesus is talking to Pharisees. Pharisees are rich. They're educated. They're studious. They, they have a lot of money. They know what they're doing, Okay? But when you have a lot of money, when you sort of know what you're doing, when you think you know it all, when you get metaphors like the ones Jesus is speaking, you're kind of like, huh? What? Like, what are you saying, Jesus? Like, store up treasures in heaven, on earth? Like, I don't quite get it. And then Jesus is super clear about this, incredibly clear. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You can't do it. Now this is the point in the message where I normally say something like, okay, what was the context here? What was happening in the first century? Why would Jesus have said this to these people? I'm not doing any of that today. And I'll tell you why. This is timeless. This is a timeless passage. This passage means the same thing for us today as it meant for the Pharisees 2,100 years ago. It means the same exact thing. And what it shows us is it shows us that Jesus cares about money more than Jesus cares about any 
anything else. You don't believe me? Do a quick Google search. Right now, do it. Jesus and money on your phone. Nobody's doing it. It's okay, you don't have to. I did it for you. Here's what I found out. Jesus talks about money more than he talks about heaven and hell combined. Jesus talks about money more than anything else except the kingdom of God. 11 of 39 parables talk about money. One of every seven verses in the Gospel of Luke talk about money. I can go on and on and on. Jesus cares about money. Jesus knew that we were going to be out of balance when it came to money. And so what do we do with it? Well, I have to guess that the Pharisees did what what I do when I read this, which is, cannot serve both God and money. I go, oh, you can't serve both God and evil, right? God and evil. And Jesus is like, no, it's God and money. No, okay, okay. Well, you can't serve both God and then break the law in financial ways. No, can't serve both God and money. Okay, okay. Well, you can't serve God and be greedy, right? No. You can't serve both God and money. It comes down to money. Why is this? Why are our lives so out of balance? The truth of the matter is our lives are out of balance because we fail to create margins. Okay? Say we make this amount of money. Most of us in this room spend that much. We spend the same amount that we make. Jesus knows this. He knows this about this. So he says this 2,100 years ago. It still applies today. There's this pastor, Andy Stanley, who said this. He says, we might be limited with our money. We might be limited with our money, but there's no limit to what we can do with our money. There's no limit to what we can do with our money. So Jesus knows this. Andy Stanley gives it a nice quote, right? We're not creating margins for our money. We're limited with our money, but there's no limit to what we can do with our money. Think about that for a moment. Think about it. Um, our time. We got a lot, we got some time here on Earth, right? All of us have some time. We all have time, and we could eat better. We could, you know, not do the things we did at the retreat, and uh, maybe that helps us a little bit. But at the end of the day, when our time's up, our time is up. That is it. We have a limited amount of time. We can't die and then be like, you know what? I want to go finish that conversation and then go back and finish the conversation. It doesn't work. Our bodies are limited. We can fix our bodies, change our bodies, do some different things with our bodies, right, Um, if we want to. But the truth of the matter is I'm never going to get any taller, and I want to. (laughs) And the truth of the matter is I'm never going to get the tan I want either. My tan will always have a little bit of like this pinkish-reddish tinge to it. Okay, that's just the truth of the matter, okay? My body is limited. What I want for my body is limited. I think probably the same with you guys. Our money is limited. The amount we make is limited, But what we do with our money, or or how we use our money, is unlimited. There's no limits to how we use our money. And why is that? Right? Anybody got one of these? Anybody got one? How many people have one? Go ahead. Shake your head. Do something. You got one? You have a way. If you don't have this, there are ways in which you can extend your money. Right? There are ways you can do that. Now, here's the thing. Like, we're limited with the money that we have, but we have plenty of opportunities, whether it be the one in my pocket or other opportunities. And listen, there's nothing wrong with this. It's a good thing. Credit cards, uh, ways that we can get loans, that kind of stuff, that's not bad. That's inherently good stuff. Okay? If you work for a bank, if you, um, you know, work with loans, if you uh, deal in credit cards, you're doing, a, you're doing a service. You're doing a decent service. But it's what we do with this service. Right? So, conceivably speaking, we could have limited funds. Right? We got our limited funds and... Um, we say, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter what's in the bank because I, I, I have unlimited opportunities with, with this extension that I have. And so conceivably, if we wanted to, we could go into a car dealership, put this thing down, and buy ourselves a car. 
conceivably we could do that, right? We could. Right now, half of you are looking around the room like, did anybody do that? Would anybody do that? And God willing, I hope none of us would do that or have done that, right? But we could. Because our money's limited, but there's no limit to what we can do with our money. And so we're sitting there going, well, I would never walk into a car dealership and take this credit card and buy a car with it. That's ridiculous. I'll never have enough money for that. The interest rate is way too high. But you know what we will do? It'll be like, ooh, all my friends are going out. Look at that. All my friends are going out. And my money's limited. But there's no limit to what I can do with my money, so I'm going to go out as well. Oh, man, it's, it's raining a little bit. There's a little bit of rain coming down, and my $5 umbrella just blew inside out. And, uh, and now I'm stuck, and uh, I could get a cab, or I could buy another umbrella. You know what? My funds are limited, but I'm just going to go ahead and get the cab. It's, it's only 25 bucks. It's getting cold. I'm back on Amazon again. That sweater that I have, I see it, and my funds are limited, but I can, I can go ahead and get that sweater anyway. And so what we do is we start to live in this way where we're spending beyond our, our means, right? We're limited, but, but we have ways in which we can, our money's unlimited. And so we start to spend beyond our means. And as we spend beyond our means, we get this credit card statement in the mail. And, and we're responsible people. We're good people. We don't buy cars with our credit card. We just buy normal things with it. And so, and so we get that statement in the mail. And because we're responsible, we pay more than just the minimum on it. We do a really good job with all of that and then all of a sudden we look at our bank account and because we had to pay this credit card bill over here our bank account's limited again but it's okay because I have this card and all of a sudden we're in this giant cycle and I have to ask you who are you serving? Who are you serving? If that's true who are we serving? Or worse maybe we're just paying the minimums Maybe we have a loan that's really ridiculous with an interest rate so high that we can't even think about paying it back. Maybe we're getting phone calls and halfway rude emails. Maybe we go to buy something, we can't even buy it because our credit is shot. And if that's the case, you're probably up at night and you're like, how am I going to pay off these bills? How am I going to do this credit card thing? And I got to ask you, if you're up at night, who is it that you're serving? Who is it that you're serving? Jesus says you can't serve both God and money. And it's not about like being ridiculously extravagant and crazy. It's the little things that happen every day. The little things of us just living on the edge. We make this much, we spend this much, and even more. And Jesus says doing just that, living your normal life, means that you're serving money. You are not serving me. There's a couple um, that I met when I first moved to New York. I'd known them for about a year. And uh, they wanted to meet with me and another person who is incredibly wise and way smarter than I am. And uh, they meet with the two of us, and they say, hey, we're moving out of this, uh, the city. And uh, whenever I hear that, I'm always like, ah, just go then. It's always like, I'm always sad about it. So I hear they're moving out of the city. And uh, my wise, smart person that I'm with says, well, why? And they go, well, it's too expensive to live here. And I agree. It is. It's expensive. It's really expensive to live here. And, um, and they said, you know, we, uh, we, we, need, we, we don't save a ton of money, and we want to have kids, and when we have kids, we want to have college funds for them. We want to invest. We don't get to do much of that stuff right now, and so we want to go to a place that's cheaper to live. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, okay, well, you know. And my friend, my, my smart, wise friend goes, uh, he's like, can I ask you a couple questions? And they're like, sure. And he goes, are you living... Are you, the apartment you have, is that like at the ceiling of what you can afford? Is it like right at the top? And they go, yeah, it's right at the top, but 
It's a great neighborhood. You've been to our apartment before. It's a great neighborhood. It's really nice. And my friend goes, yeah, I have. It's nice. It's nice. And he goes, uh, he goes, can I ask you another question? Do you guys actually, do you guys pay attention to what you spend? Like, do you have entertainment budgets? And, and do you have a budget for food and for all this stuff? And they go, not really, but we just want to make sure that we have enough in our bank account and that we spend that way. And my friend goes, okay. All right, my friend goes, you can go. You can move. Like, I'm sad that you're moving. You can move. And he says, you can move to Pennsylvania, Westchester. You can move to Texas. You can move wherever you want to go. He goes, but I'm telling you right now, you're never going to save. You're never going to feel like you have enough. And I was like, snap. <laughs> I was like, dang, look at this. And, he, and my friend goes on. He goes, you guys, you guys are in a place where you make this much and you're spending. You're living right on the edge. You have no balance. You have no margin. And I begin to look at my life. And I begin to see the way I spent. Was I creating space that if God called me to give or if God calls me to be generous, if God calls me to, to, to save or, or to take part in something with somebody that costs money, am I creating space so that I can do that in my life? I had to look hard. We had to make decisions. Are you making space? Are you making space? It's expensive here. It's really, really expensive to live here. Let's be honest. It's difficult. It's hard. Are we making this much and then spending this much or more? Are we living in balance? Are we giving ourselves margin? Are we giving ourselves space? And if we're not, and if we're up, and if we're thinking about this and wondering what comes next, then I have to ask us again, who are we serving? Who are we serving? What do we do? How do we get balance? How do we create balance in all this thing? How do we become disciplined? Um... I've been quoted as saying a couple times that the Holy Spirit does not lead with lists. I've been quoted as saying that. I generally agree with that. The Bible's uh, it's not like a blueprint or a bunch of lists or a how-to. Stories and poems and biography and letters and so many cool things. But I'm going to make an exception for this message. <laughs> okay, I have a really practical, practical piece right here. Practical list, all right? Uh, I tried to make it into a pyramid, just like the food pyramid, and I didn't have the wherewithal to do it, so I didn't, um, but anyway, it's a list now, and it's really simple, and I want to give credit where credit is due, when, when, we, when my wife and I decided we needed to start making decisions about how we were going to spend and use our money, we did listen to this person I talked about before, this guy Andy Stanley, and what he said is, he said, here's some really, really simple steps, really easy steps that allow us to make good Financial decisions that create financial balance in our lives. And so I'm going to give them to you. They're really simple. It's number one, decide. Number two, find a percentage. Make a percentage. Number three, give and save. And then number four, like the top of the pyramid where we put our fats and oils, spend. Okay, so it's decide, make it a percentage, give and save, and spend. Decide. Why is, you know, I remember the first time I heard this, I was like, what do you mean decide? I'm listening to this, so I've already decided. And what Andy Stanley says is really interesting. He says, you know, what we've done is when we make this much, we spend this much, or even go over, we've become really accustomed to a lifestyle. We've become really accustomed to this lifestyle that, that says, like, um, Oh, you know what? You can afford this much, or you can do this much. And yeah, it's a struggle, and yeah, it'll put you in a cycle, but you can do it. Really, if you want to, you know, if you just keep putting down the minimums on the credit card, you can keep doing it and living this way. And what, what Stanley says and what I'm saying is you have to decide that you're going to live differently. 
You got to decide that you're going to do something different. You're going to start different. So, so it's this decision. So the decision is big because it means we're not going to live in the same way we used to live. It means that we're not going to have the three-bedroom penthouse in Brooklyn Heights. It means that we're not going to be like, oh, my wife's not even here to defend herself. My wife and take cabs everywhere. I thought she'd be here. <laughs> and she would have got the joke. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. You know, it means that we're not going to buy the stuff that, that maybe we don't have the money now, but, but you know, we could pay it later. We're, we're going to start to be disciplined in the way that we spend. We decide. We make a decision. And it's not easy to make a decision because it means we're changing our lifestyle. We're changing things up. But that's where we have to start. We're not going to get anywhere until we decide. We're not going to create margin until we decide to do it. Once we decide to do it, this is the hard part, and this is broad today, and... You know, I don't have an hour and a half to get down into the nitty gritty, but we're going to make a percentage. We're going to live on a percentage of what we make. So most of us in this room, and I have been there before, including myself, let's just say, let's pick a random, let's say we make $50,000, okay? We make $50,000, we live on $50,000. Sometimes we live on $53,000, okay? Even though we only make 50, let's just say that's the number, Okay? What we would do, if we want to create margin, if we want to create balance, is we say we're going to live on a percentage that is not our entire salary. We are going to live on 45000 We're going to live on 40000 We're going to make it a percentage. I'm going to live on 90% of my salary. I'm going to live on 80% of my salary, and then I'm going to adjust my spending accordingly. And if we don't make it a percentage, something else will make it a percentage for us. Something else will. Something else will, will dictate where our margin is or how we spend. If you guys were here last week, I said to you, um, I said I really, really like uh, traveling. That's something I really, really like. I also really like going to concerts, going to shows. Anybody else with me on that? Concert shows? Good, yeah, yeah. So uh, it was awful. For a while, like, I was buying tickets to every artist who came across my Spotify playlist. Like, just everybody. And I would buy tickets, and I'd be like, I'm just going to see the show. But really, it's it's getting a babysitter, and it's going out to dinner beforehand, and then it's going to the show, and then it's going out after. And it was becoming ridiculously expensive to where this margin I created was slowly going away to the point where I had nothing. Right? And my wife came to me and she goes, you can pick two, maybe three concerts a year that you're going to go to. That's it. And I was like, all right, I'll do it. So I picked two, maybe three concerts a year that I go to. And uh, have I missed concerts? Have I missed them because I'm not living on that 100%? I'm living below? Do I miss it? I miss it. I miss concerts, yeah. Is it keeping me up at night? Concerts aren't keeping me up at night. Miss concerts don't keep me up at night. Trying to figure out my finances, trying to create margin, that keeps me up at night. It goes back to who we're serving, right? Make it a percentage and live at that percentage. Be disciplined in doing that. And I'm going to talk about giving and saving now, and I'm not even going to talk about spending. My guess is most of us know how to spend our money pretty well, right? So if you were here last week, I said, you know, give and save. When you, when you are able to decide that you're going to do this, when you are able to live on a percentage that creates that margin in your life where you have room, all of a sudden we're no longer serving money. All of a sudden, we're able to listen to what God might be telling us. We're able to hear that still, small voice where before that still, small voice was saying, how am I going to pay the credit card bill? Now my still, small voice is saying, how am I advancing God's kingdom? So now we have margin, right? So I challenged us last week. I said, last week, if you, this is your community. If this is a place that you call home, I challenge you to give to this community. 
challenge you to be a part of the community. If this is not your community, if you are just visiting, if you're just hanging out, I said, you know, I challenge you to be generous somewhere else. And if you struggle with the church and the church has burned you before in the way that, that they've used your money, I said, give to somebody else. That's not the church. That's okay. It's not about us. It's about the spirit of generosity that comes when we create balance and when we create margin. So there's this couple that I hung out with that I talked to. They said to us, they said, you know, we started giving. And I said, how is it? And they go, um, we used to go to restaurants and just pick any restaurant. And, uh, and we'd say, that was a really good meal. And I was like, okay, what's your point? And they were like, well, the past two weeks, we've gone out a couple times. And when we go out, we've like gone to like newyorkmag.com and like figured out like the unique eats or the cheap eats and like or we've like picked out places we wouldn't normally pick out that are a little bit cheaper and we go there and at the end of the day we say oh that was a good meal and I was like so not much has changed they're like not much has changed (laughs) they were like no actually the cool thing that's changed is because we started giving we feel an investment that we hadn't felt before we feel ownership that we had, hadn't felt before. We feel like we take part in this community in ways that we haven't before, that we have a responsibility to make this thing work like we didn't have a responsibility before. And they were like, you have this vision to see lives and neighborhoods renewed and restored through the power of Christ, and now that's our vision too. We want to see that vision happen, and we're really excited because in the past couple of weeks, we've hung out with people in the community, and we feel like that's the part that's happening, and that's how our lives are changing, and that's what generosity does. Creating margin, creating balance to give and save allows us to live out our vision to see lives and neighborhoods renewed and restored. And our generosity has done it already in two years. In two years, our church has gone from zero to almost 300 people. In two years. Now, the 2.4 times a month thing works, as we can tell today. But it's happening, right? Our lives are being renewed and restored, and that happens because of generosity. It happens for that reason. You know, we've, we, we have all these organizations that we work with and we talk about these organizations all the time, but the thing about our church is that these organizations like St. Augustine's or, or Jubilee, they'll call Generals Fisher up and they'll be like, hey Jen, we need people right now and we, we need people fast and we called you because we know that your church will have people ready to go. And sure enough, like some South, you know, South Slope small group or, or Fort Greene small group, somebody just comes through and ends up helping these people out because we are a generous church that is living out its vision right now. We are generous. We have given as a church almost, almost $250,000 away. We've helped give almost that much away to different organizations, to different people. I hung out with Jordan Rice from Renaissance Church in Harlem on Thursday, and I hang out with him, and I'm like, how's it going? He's like, man, our church is doing really, really well. We've been, we're six weeks old, we're doing incredibly well, and he goes, thank you so much, man. Forefront's incredibly generous. We are living our vision We are living our mission. We are seeing lives and neighborhoods renewed and restored, and we're doing it because we are generous people. One of my really good friends, we were hanging out a few weeks ago, and he says, you know what, this community, this community has has, brought me friends that I never thought I'd have. I feel like I, I became rich overnight, and that happens because of our generosity. There's another guy who walked in our door about a year and a half ago, and this is what he said to me, uh, you know, in hindsight. He says this, he goes, you know what, I walked into the door and I was pursuing a professional career, and every step I took with this professional career, somebody said no. 
And, and, and then I would try to find a job. And every job I tried to find, people would say no. And as every relationship I pursued, people said to me no. And every apartment I tried to get, people would say to me no. And I walked into this church and I was angry and I was disillusioned and I was skeptical and I was negative. And people came up to me and they said yes. And that happens because we are generous. It happens because of our generosity. We believe that everything comes from the loving hand of God, everything we have. I challenge you to be generous. I challenge you to, to, to say, God, I'm going to create margin, I'm going to create balance, and thanks for what I've been given. And so if that's the case, then the question I have is a question I've posed to some of us before, but who comes next? Who is next? How does our generosity help the next person who has heard no, hear Yes. How does our generosity help the next organization, help the next neighborhood, help the next person, help the next group of friends? How does our generosity change lives? Are we ready to create balance? Are we ready to renew and restore through the power of Jesus Christ? If so, amen. Let's pray. God, we are just so thankful um, because you are a generous spirit. You pour out generosity on us daily, uh, hourly, every minute, God. Um, Your grace is there for every difficult time, for every negative reaction, for every skeptical idea and thought, for every bad mistake, God. You are there pouring out your generosity to us, your grace to us. We thank you for that. We thank you that as we continue to trip and fall and mess up, that you are there to pick us up and to pour out more. We pray all this in your name. Amen.